Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we are thankful to be in this house of worship today. On Resurrection Sunday, the day your kingdom was revealed and your glory shone like the sun. God, how desperate we are to see your power and your glory again in our lives. Give us a fresh encounter with you today, God. Allow your spirit to pour out. Bless every individual, every household, every family represented here. Draw us closer to you that we may see your glory in the glow of your love and proclaim the greatness of our God. Fill this place, God, and we will give you all the honor and power and praise and glory that's due your name. And all God's children said, amen. Good morning, family. read our scripture for this morning that comes from the book of Romans. And I would ask that we hear these words as if Jesus himself was speaking to you. Because there is a truth in this scripture that I think is so important for us today. The scripture comes from the book of Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 5 through 10, and it's a declaration of what we are celebrating today, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed our lives forever. I'd like to ask you to stand with me as I read the word of God, and we will give reverence and honor as the Apostle Paul is explaining to him the question raised by the skit, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to us? Book of Romans chapter 6 beginning at verse 5 says, If we have been united with him like this in his death, then we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives... 
he lives to God. Father, may these words resonate in our spirit, flow from our mind to our hearts, and cause an outpouring of praise that is due to your name. And everyone who believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, say amen. 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 You can be seated. Good morning, family. I want to speak for just a few moments about the question that I think our drama raised for us. It was several portraits of people who were living with Jesus, knew Jesus, walking with Jesus, encountered Jesus. And at the end of the drama, a question arises, well, what does this resurrection mean for me? And I think that's a question we should all be asking ourselves today. The word resurrection uh, means life after death. That there was a life and then there was a death and then somehow life sprang new again. And the resurrection of Jesus is particularly special because of the ripple effects of the resurrection of Jesus, the savior of the world. I want to go back a little bit as we kind of unpack this for a little bit, because I I, I encountered this idea of resurrection in a brand new way this week, which probably sounds a little odd from a pastor. But when I thought about the resurrection, it hit me brand new. As I was looking and studying, I discovered or rediscovered that Death has been around for a long time. Death was there in the Garden of Eden. Which means the truth is death was actually part of God's creation. And so there was this time before death really took a hold, before it had any real effect on our lives. If you know the story from the first couple of chapters of Genesis... Uh, Adam and Eve are there. They have been created. God said everything is good. And then he gave a strict instruction to the man and the woman that they were not to eat of the tree of right and wrong, good and evil. Because if they did, they would surely die. I would offer that it wasn't really about the tree or a specific fruit, but the real issue at hand was mankind's desire to rebel and reject the instruction of God. That the simple act of willfully disobeying God, of doing, as the Bible says, what is right in our own eyes, represents uh, uh, an inherent desire for us to turn away from God. And what happens is that when we turn away from God, we are now infected by this disease called sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin, the result of sin, the consequences of sin is death. So death was around, but it didn't really have any sting to it until we started sinning. (laughs) Death could have been on the sidelines, idle. But our own rebellion thrust him into activity. 
And all the sin that we see in this world culminates in this reality of death. And so here's one thing that's true. It is highly likely that everyone in this room will have to deal with death at some point or another. It is part of life. It is part of the cycle. It is part of God's divine plan. And and so we, we can go through life and not lose sight of the fact that at some point we will be before our maker giving account for the life that we have lived. And the wonderful news about today is that death is not the last word. God is not afraid of death. God is not fearful or worried. And he he spends much of the time that Jesus in his own ministry and even the Old Testament is trying to get us to get a perspective on this gift of life and realize that God sees life beyond the few years that we have on this planet. But the reality is death does visit all of us. And so when we look at our lives and we look at the struggles and the victories and the ups and the downs, how does this resurrection and the reality of our death play into our understanding of the significance of this day? Well, if you think about the characters that we saw in the drama, they had various reactions. You had people who were grateful that Jesus had forgiven them. You had people who were uh, missing Jesus because they had feelings of inadequacy. You had one young woman who mentioned that she had been feeling abandoned and forsaken by God. And then Jesus showed back up and reminded her of the goodness of God. I wonder what you're feeling about the resurrection today. I was particularly tickled by the brother who wasn't sure he wanted to see Jesus again had kind of been given some tasks to do, maybe had made some promises that he didn't quite fulfill, and and who knew this Jesus guy was really going to show back up? I wonder why God continues to tell us that we should be aware of death, but not fearful of it. We should be mindful of our sin, but not consumed by it. The scripture that we read this morning is talking about there is something available to us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear. We are sinners. We got one thing in common. Every one of us in here, we fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how intelligent we are, how successful we are, how, how degreed we are. We are all sinners saved by grace. And so we are headed for death, headed for this inevitable, unavoidable encounter with death. But God says and tells us in the writing of Paul that because we are united with Christ, death is not the end of our stories. That there was some type of transaction that happened miraculously on this resurrection day that changed the course of our destiny. And I want to I have us think about that, but before we get to that part, I want to I go back a couple days. See, we, we can't get to Resurrection Sunday until we think about Good Friday. 
Good Friday. Interesting that we call it good. It was good for us. But it was a costly day. The Bible says, he who had no sin became sin for us. Jesus, from heaven, had never done anything wrong, came down to this earth and began to pick up our baggage. The sin that was with us on Good Friday. I wonder what you carried around on Good Friday. There's so much in this world. I was thinking about the young people and the people that are maybe dealing with all the stresses and pressures of school and college and career choices and and expectations from parents and teachers. And, and, and sometimes we just had a major news scandal, right, that we can take some shortcuts. <laughs> we can maybe make some compromises of our character because we're so overwhelmed by our circumstances. Maybe, maybe you're in a difficult marriage situation. And, 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 the, and the communication, the, the, the unity, the, the intimacy, all these things are, are, are so, so, so tense and so hard to do that it's easy to look for other places to get meaning and satisfaction and respect. Maybe we're in a situation where we're dealing with our aging parents or our own bodies are beginning to let us down and fail and we've got the aches and the pains and the, and, and the, and the suffering and the, the, the chronic ongoing issues because we live in these vessels that were not made for eternity and we're getting tired of the journey. Maybe we've got addiction issues, things that continue to call us back continue to pull us away from the things we know are right, the things we know that God is pleased about, and we end up finding ourselves in these self-destructive patterns over and over again. I call that living in a Good Friday world. And it's filled with pain, and it's filled with brokenness, and it's filled with heartache. And God himself entered into this broken world. And he began going everywhere, healing and teaching and encouraging people that your sin is not your story. Your brokenness is not your identity. Your mistakes are not your destiny. There is something more for you who are connected to Jesus Christ. I hope we feel the weight of that because it was heavy for Jesus to take up our sin. He felt the pain and the sorrow and and, and the suffering of his people and he came that there may be life after death for our glory. I was trying to think about how to make this make sense because I think we, we we don't give enough reflection to this incredible movement of God. And so I was thinking, how, how could I explain what happened? How could I explain this journey that, that we've been on and the gift that we receive this day? And I, and I thought about my own life. And I thought about all the mistakes I've made and the, 
the roads I've traveled down and, and the places God has brought me through. And then I thought about the gifts God has given me and how gracious and merciful he's been. And I thought about my wife. Amen? The great gift of my wife. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I thought about our 20-year journey together. And I remembered back a couple of decades ago and I kind of look like this guy. Had some issues. <laughs> Had some problems. And I used to get these phone calls. All the wonderful things that, that my wife has, has done, she, she's helped me with the phone calls I receive. And and I'm going to unpack that in just a second, but, but, but as I look back on my life, I, I used to be in this space, and now through the course of our life and, and through the goodness of God and through the faithfulness of this wonderful gift God has given me, now I think I look like this guy. I don't, I don't care what y'all think. I said, I think I look like that guy. Amen. You know, I got it together a little bit. I feel better about myself. I've made some progress. I've upgraded. Amen. And I thought, well, how did I get from here to there? What were the things? What were the issues? And, and, and there's one issue. I, this is a, a true story. I, it was a few weeks ago. I, I, I realized this, and I walked in, and, and I, I gave my wife a big kiss and said, thank you. And I said it because that guy had really bad credit. <laughs> yeah, he had bad credit. And those phone calls I mentioned, those were bill collectors. <laughs> and you know, I'm sure y'all got good credit, but when you don't have good credit, you get a lot of phone calls. Well, my answering machine got a lot of phone calls. A lot of calls came in, and it was people, and they were angry, they were hostile. They were demanding. They wanted me to respond. They wanted me to pay back the debt that I owed. And they weren't very flexible about it. And I wasn't very good about paying bills. To me, you know it's time to pay the bill when it says 48-hour notice at the top. That's when it's time to pay the bill. I wasn't very good at that. True story. And, and my wife um, operates differently than that. And so what happened to bring this kind of revelation around is I was online the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, and I was going through and you know, trying to make sure stuff is in order, getting ready for tax season, whatever. And, and I went to creditkarma.com. And I was checking my credit score. And it was good. <laughs> Those aren't my numbers, but the point is it was moving... <laughs> In the direction of good. That's, those are just hypotheticals, but you get my point that, that there's progress. And, and it's because my wife pays bills before the bill collector sends it. I mean, before like, like it's due on the 14th, on the like 6th, she's writing a check to whoever it is. And, and so because she has taken care of these things, because she has taken over all of the household bills and manages all that stuff, I look up and my credit score is, is great. Praise 
the Lord. And now I'm living in this place where I'm getting the fringe benefits of having good credit. I get phone calls now, and they're like, Mr. Murphy. They weren't saying Mr. Murphy before. <laughs> Mr. Murphy, we'd like to offer you a special gold card, something or other. And I'm like, uh, I'm not interested. Call me back in later. And, and I, can, I, I make the terms. And I'm basking in this wonderful glow of having this great credit score. But you know, the reality is I, I can't take credit for it. I didn't do it. If it had been up to me, I'd still be down there with that broke brother over there. Bad credit. But my wife came in and did for me what I was unable to do for myself. Blessed me. Took care of debts that were outstanding and, and elevated my position. Jesus did the same thing. See, there was debts that we had accumulated. There was interest that was piling up that we were never going to be able to get back on a payment plan that would ever satisfy it. There was demanding creditors who were calling and, and reminding us about every mistake, every time we messed up, every time we fell short, and they had no sympathy, and we were doomed to be stuck in the cycle, and Jesus comes in and covers us with his blood, covers us with his mercy, covers us with his grace, says, that one is mine, they are in my possession, they are child of the king, you can't have them anymore, and wiped our debt spotless. Spotless. See, the things that used to bind you and nag you and drag you down don't have the authority in your life anymore once you follow Jesus Christ. There is a new ruler in town. One of the things I love, and I, I'm not going to get off on this tangent, but, but here's the thing. When we talk about this death situation, when we talk about this resurrection situation, you know what was so beautiful? Is that Jesus let it be known that he was not a new get-witch-quick scheme. He wasn't a new self-help guru. See, when we think about Jesus today, we get Jesus confused with Gandhi and Buddha and Confucius and whoever else is writing the latest self-help. And people say, well, if that works for you, then you can try that out, whatever works for you. But that's not the conversation Jesus was having. When he got arrested, it was actually interesting. He got arrested and taken to the religious leaders. And you know what he said to them? Nothing. Because they didn't have the authority to talk to him. See, I'm not even talking about Christianity. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about being a child of the king. He said, I am a king. I have authority over life and death. I am the one who can create uh, this reality. I don't just get my life taken. I lay it down and I have the authority to pick my life back up because I have kingship over this world and the heavens and the earth and everything else in it is all under my rulership. He had authority. And you know what he said? He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. <laughs> See, that's a king that does that. The king chooses who is part of his kingdom. The king chooses who will be in and who will be under the protection of his crown. Here's what it says in Revelations. I was thinking about this, and, and, and I came to this scripture. 
It said in Revelations chapter 1, John is having a dream, a vision of what this resurrection, uh, resurrected Jesus is like. And he was talking about he's, you know, his face is on fire. And he's got hair shining and bright and wool and his feet are, are bronze like, uh, are, uh, like burnished bronze. And he says, when I saw him, I fell on his feet and as though I was dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Now catch this. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. There's only one person that ever died and came back and never died again. Jesus himself raised some people from the dead, but guess where they all went back to? Dead. But Jesus rose and he said, I was dead, but because I have kingship and authority over life and death, over past and future, future and present, because I am the king of kings and Lord of lords, I chose to lift my life up and it will never be taken again. I live forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades in my hands. That means whatever has got a hold of you. Whatever sin is dragging you down, whatever issues you're wrestling with, whatever stumbling blocks keep coming in your path, Jesus says, I've got those in my hand. There is nothing that is on you. There is nothing that anybody has spoken to you. There is nothing that has happened to you. There is no failure or sin or mistake. There is nothing in heaven and earth that can separate you from the love of God. And he's got the authority to declare that you are now free by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about freedom here today. That the resurrection is a victory lap. (laughs) The work has already been done. Jesus defeated death because death never had any control over him. Death had control over mankind once we came in and sinned. But Jesus didn't have any sin. You missed that. Let me say that again. Death shows up when sin shows up. Jesus didn't have any sin, so death could never get a hold of Jesus. The only way he could get a hold of Jesus is Jesus put on our sin. And so he comes in, he takes every sin, every failure, every lust, every addiction, every piece of brokenness, every hurt on the planet of everyone that's ever lived, and he put it on and death said, I finally got him. I got Jesus. And he said, you got me, but I'm back. And I'm separating all of my children from anything. You are out of the reach of death because of the power and authority of Jesus. In the resurrection, he's doing a victory lap saying, come on, kids. We run in circles around death today. You ever seen that in the Olympics when they win? What do they do? Get the flag and do a victory lap. Jesus did a victory lap proclaiming that you are free from whatever has bound you. What's the resurrection mean to you? What's been holding you back? What's been weighing you down? What's been stopping you from feeling the fullness and the abundance of God? Whatever it is, you've been loosed. It doesn't hold you. It can't confine you. Because as as Paul was saying, if we died with Christ, if he took my sin to death, then when he rose, that means my life came back with him. I cannot be confined or defined by anything in this world, anything short of the glory of God. I am a brand new creation because my God declared me to be so. And there is nothing on heaven and earth 
that can pluck me from my father's hand. The work is done. But there's one, one last piece. One last piece that makes this thing complete. It comes from Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is, is talking to the church, is talking to the people that are looking forward to this final new Jerusalem coming down when all the pain, all the brokenness that we get overwhelmed by, when he finally wipes it away and he says this, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Now here's the picture. I want you to catch this. Please hear this. I don't care what your last name is. It, it doesn't matter who your mama and daddy were. It doesn't matter what they called you in grade school. It doesn't matter when they remind you about the places you've been and the things you've done. It doesn't matter when you think about how many times you've been stuck in that same old place of, of hurt and misery and brokenness and abuse. It doesn't matter how many times you've clicked on that thing or how many times you've made that phone call. It doesn't matter. Whatever you've had in your path, it doesn't matter because that's not your name. You have a name that you don't even know what it is yet. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are kept and covered by a glorious God who never fails, who never changes his mind, who never gets mad at you and says you don't deserve it anymore. He came to die. I heard this quote. It said, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, isn't for Christians. (laughs) Why did he say that? He said, because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so here's what I'm saying maybe you're one of those people who hasn't yet received the gift of grace maybe you know Jesus but you're still holding on to some junk from your past Maybe you've got some, something that, that has a hold on your mind and your spirit. Maybe there's some, some bit of anger, some frustration, some disappointment. Maybe you're waiting on God to move and you think he's going too slow and it keeps you bound by fear and worry and doubt. Whatever that is, you are, there is a name written in the Lamb's book of life that promises you are more than any of your mistakes or your past or your brokenness or anything else that falls short of the glorious creation God called you to be. But you know what? The name is written for you, but you got to receive it. You got to believe it. You got to trust it. And some of us are in this place right now, and we've heard this before. We've heard God is good. We've heard God is gracious. We heard God forgives. We heard God is merciful, but we haven't let it get in here yet. But can I tell you, he sees your stuff. He sees the mess. He sees the pain. And he sees the brokenness. But he says, I love you so much, I count the hairs on your head. 
you were so precious to me that I gave my life that you could be made free. Brothers and sisters, he knows you. And he knows the name that he has written for you. And so I'm praying that somebody in here will believe it, maybe for the first time, maybe for real this time, and say, God, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been looking for peace and joy. I've been looking for satisfaction and every pill and drink and relationship I can find and it it still leaves me hurting. There's a God-sized hole in our heart that only he can fill. And he's reaching out. He said, I've got you in the palm of my hand. And so today, as we're singing songs and celebrating, my prayer is that we believe it maybe like we've never done before, that the resurrection is freedom for me. I am really freed by the blood of Jesus. I'm not defined by my biological. I'm not defined by my family history. I'm not defined by my own mistakes in my past. I am defined by my Savior. He sees me. He knows me. And he loves me more than I can imagine. Pastor Tracy introduced me to a song a couple of weeks ago. I I, I don't want to cut this off, but I I want you to stay in this space. She introduced me to this song a couple of weeks ago. And I've been playing it every day since then. It's a very simple song. If you know this song, if you hear this song, just listen to the song. And it says this. That I got my stuff, I got my problems. But I'm not alone. I'm not abandoned, I'm not forsaken. My Father in heaven sees me. He loves me. And he knows me.
Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.